hey, hey, hey. Libertarian socialists and wannabes, I'm back. And it's 50th anniversary of the uh, assassination of Robert F. Kennedy yesterday. And I was listening to some of the old footage and I was moved by it. And I remember some of these things that happened in 1968 dramatically changed how Americans saw their country and how they saw themselves. After all, he was the third person who'd gotten shot in about five years. First his brother, John F. Kennedy in 1963, and then Martin Luther King just a, a month or so before RFK got a bullet right down the street from me. I was only six years old and didn't really understand, but it became clear to me as the protests started to settle. I mean, they really blew up at the Democratic National Convention and stuff, but, you know, a lot of that stuff started to kind of settle out. People didn't want to get shot. People were wor beginning to worry about what it meant to protest in the United States. And I think that a lot of people who had a romantic idea about the counterculture, about protest, that romance, that was shattered, as well as the feeling that it was a safe place to be speaking your mind. And a lot of the stuff started to go underground, it really did. And the world really, really changed. I mean, think of it. The reason why Lyndon Baines Johnson did not seek another term is he would have been able to run a second time because he'd only served out JFK's like last year. So he, could, he would have been one of the presidents who could have served three terms, actually, nine years, but it would have been three terms, two in a fraction. But he actually voluntarily just stepped down mostly because of what went on with uh, Robert Kennedy's candidacy. He, it was just taking off. It was lightning rod. Everyone was just coming to it. You know, let's get out of Vietnam. Let's change the culture of this uh, society. And, you know, LBJ had, you know, in 64 already gone through a re-election fight in which he had famously said to some of his advisors, you can have your goddamn war, just get me re-elected. But, by 1968, he was pretty weary of the Vietnam War, just like the nation. And Martin Luther King had come out against the war, and in fact, JFK had, you know, stopped uh, military adventures when the Bay of Pigs happened kind of behind his back, and he didn't, you know, commit the military to uh, invade Cuba at the beginning of his presidency. So, you know, Martin Luther King has come out against the Vietnam War, and then he gets shot. Robert Kennedy comes out against Vietnam War and he gets shot. You know, it, it became clear to a lot of uh, protesters and a lot of Americans that it was a dangerous thing to protest in the, in the United States. Now, it's the day after the anniversary of RFK and, and RFK's assassination, and, you know, I feel it, um, that I have to speak out further because the anniversary of D-Day, 
it has been 74, no, 70, yeah, 74 years since D-Day in World War II, the last declared war that the United States fought. All these other skirmishes, Vietnam War was not a declared war, Korean War not a declared war. Currently what's going on, not declared war. In any case, it's been 74 years since D-Day today. And, you know, if you've listened to some of my uh, Memorial Day, Flag Day uh, podcasts, then, you know, my grandfather is, is somebody who's influenced uh, me quite a bit politically. And, you know, he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He was a prison guard on the, uh, on the Rhine after the Battle of the Bulge. And in the 1970s, I remember talking to him because Jimmy Carter had done an amnesty for the Canadian draft dodgers so that they could come back to the United States and they wouldn't be prosecuted. So he'd done this amnesty. So I actually asked my grandfather what he thought about that since I, he'd gone and he had fought. And his answer was a little bit cryptic to me. And, and I do not want to disperse his memory. I really do not want to put him in a bad light, but what he said when I asked that question has always stuck with me, and, and you know, I asked him that, and he was like, it's not that big a deal, I think it's fine, we should let him come back, that war was wrong, those are the things that he was saying to me when I was 14 years old and asking him, or 15, and and then I'm like, well, what about, you know, you know, I, I you know, I, I mean, I'm young, I'm still pulling the, like, kind of patriotic line of, you know, Star Spangled Banner, God Bless America, and that kind of stuff. Isn't this, you know, treason for them to have done this? And he says to me, if I'd have known then what I know now, I'm not sure I would have gone. And that's what I mean by besperching his memory. He went, he fought, you know, he is more part of the greatest generation, fought in the Battle of Bulge. You can go back and look at my Memorial Day podcast, you can see what esteem I hold him in. So it's hard for me to speak out like this, but it is what he said to me. I wouldn't have gone if I knew then what I know now. Well, I don't think I would have gone. That's probably a more accurate quote. And I'm like, what do you mean? What does that mean? And, you know, my grandfather was not a very talkative person. So this was one of the longer conversations we had in which I got real information from him. And... And he starts talking about John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy. And, you know, he felt like they had been, they had been shot by evil forces. And that evil forces were at least partially in control of the United States government and or military. And that these wars that were happening... You know, just the Vietnam War, for example, where it was just, you know, it's wartime profiteering by the military-industrial complex. And, I mean, that has always stuck with me. This man who had gone, he fought for his country, he had suffered for his country. And in a moment when he could have taken a much more patriotic line, because I was taking that patriotic line as a young teenager, and I have to say that I 
um, I was surprised by his answers. I really was surprised. And so here it is, D-Day, the day after the 50th anniversary of RFK's assassination. And, you know, I thought that I should speak out a little bit about what moves me, what motivates me, why I speak out, why I podcast, why I talk about this stuff. And when I was born in this country, we were going to the moon. We had the tallest bridges, the biggest dams, the tallest buildings. You know, we were the center of the universe, the center of the, of the world anyway. That just isn't so anymore. The Chinese just opened, you know, a bridge to Hong Kong and to Macau and a bridge across the ocean, miles and miles across the ocean, out to those islands. They built an island in the South China Sea. They have the money that we don't have, that we have been squandering. And, you know, this is especially the young people that I'm talking to, because I lived it, but you're going to inherit the future. But right now, that future looks bankrupt. So, I'm telling you, we really need to declare war if we're going to go to war. And the fact is, is we've spent probably four to five trillion dollars this century on the global war on terror. For what? What are the metrics that we are going to use to say this is successful? The time that it was started out, people were saying this is going to create more terrorists, and it, it has created more terrorists. So, at some point, you know, the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. It might be time to do something else. It really might be time to do something else.